part of the problem or part of the solution? Are you escalating conflict or are you resolving it? So there are some events in life and at work that seem to stick in memory. And have you noticed that it's mostly the ones that create negative emotions that seem to stick in our memory rather than the most positive ones? I bet if I told you to think back on some positive event in your life the last week, you will have to think about it. But if I ask you about a negative emotion, a conflict, I'm sure you'll be able to name that right away. And why is it that sometimes those negative emotions are easier to remember? The times that you got into it with a fellow physician, the times you felt disrespected by a male colleague, or even a female one for that matter, or the time a nurse questioned your judgment and made you feel less than you are, the conflicts that you're involved in, how you responded to it, and the time you spent afterwards analyzing every part of that interaction and wishing you had said things a little differently. So there's this loop in your head of how the dialogue should have gone and how that could have changed the outcome of the event, what you should have said, what you could have said, and how you should have responded, and what you would say if that same situation came up again. But unfortunately, life is not like that. The same situation in that exact same manner do, do not repeat themselves, although there may be similarities. And every time they do, you don't necessarily rehearse or you cannot come up with those exact responses that you had thought about in a quiet moment. This is the Leadership Prescription Podcast for Women Physicians. And I'm your host, Dr. Asha Padmanabhan. I'm a board-certified anesthesiologist and medical director, and I'm also a master-certified physician coach. I coach early and mid-career women physicians to achieve clarity on their career goals, their leadership aspirations, and I help guide them through the career transformation they are desperately craving so that they can feel fulfilled in their career and their family life. So conflict. How many times have you been part of it? If you're a regular physician, a regular human being, I would say that conflict is part of your everyday life. And those negative emotions that I talk about with conflict are some things that you think about a lot. Not every minute of every day, but certainly they pay, play a large amount of a role in your subconscious mind. So today I'm going to talk about whether you're part of the problem or you're part of the solution and which do you want to be and how effective communication can help you get from being part of the problem to being part of the solution. And I'm going to tell you about the three-step process. Actually, it will be four steps, but the three-step actual process for effective communication. Now, I'm guessing if I ask you, do you want to be part of the problem or do you want to be part of the solution? 100% of you who are listening to this will say that you want to be part of the solution. And yet many times, as we look back on past conflicts, we can always see times where we could have acted a little differently. Although sometimes that may not happen. You know, if you don't have enough self-awareness to be thinking about your reactions and why they are the way they are, then you may not have come to the same realization yet. I know for myself, I spent the majority of my life not being self-aware until I actually, in the last couple of years, when I started being coached and I started becoming aware of my thoughts 
and my emotions and my reactions and how all of that played a role in every single interaction, every single conflict that I was part of. And that was a huge learning process. So I'm not going to go through the whole of that here, but I want to give you a few pointers which can help you in your life. So self-awareness is obviously comes first and and learning what your thoughts are and why you react, because a lot of us, we react the way we do based on all our previous experiences going back to childhood, our stories that we create in our mind based on those experiences, and those then color our reactions to any event that we are part of, or any, any event or any conflict that we face. So as like I said, as recent as Two years ago, I wouldn't have thought that I was a part of the problem. I always thought that I was part of the solution. And I always justified in my mind why I behaved the way I did. I would have looked at it, at the conflict, and I would have rationalized my thoughts and actions from the place where I felt secure, where I felt that this was the way I was, this was the way I reacted, and there was nothing that needed to be changed. It's not until I started becoming self-aware, like I said, through coaching, that I could step back And I could, from a neutral place, as an observer, observe the interaction and realize that a lot of the way that I reacted came up because of previous interactions and the stories I was telling myself in my head. And that necessarily not is the best place to start. It is not necessarily the best place to become the best that you can be, the best leader and the best human being. So what do I mean by this? So take the case of when, as the anesthesiologist on call, I had to deal with two irate surgeons, both of whom wanted to operate at the same time. And there was only one call team available, which is usually the case in small community hospitals. I was asked to intervene, but that's a tough spot to be in, as any anesthesiologist who's listening to this will know. You cannot decide which surgery is more important because each surgeon will feel that their case is more important. So I well remember several times, I just pointed them to each other and let them fight it out. And that never worked well at all. Sometimes administration got involved, sometimes they didn't. Most times everyone left feeling bruised and angry. And whoever got to work first, even though they could be grateful, they were not, they were still steaming about the interaction. And I was also left with angry thoughts. This particular situation, neither of the surgeons wanted to talk to each other. One had already been very rude to me over the phone. And so I had all these angry thoughts running through my head. How dare she yell at me? I'm not trying to cancel her case. Serves her right if she's delayed. And so I felt totally justified in making the case for the other surgeon to go first because of some patient issue. Not that that surgeon now was grateful to me for being allowed to go first. In fact, he took it as that was his due. And he continued to figuratively stomp his way through the rest of the case with snide remarks. And with a surgeon who had been delayed, I shrugged my shoulders and I said, what can I say? The the other surgeon was here. His patient was here. This seemed more urgent. I tried my best and on and on. And sometimes when administration was involved, I would have put the blame on them as well, that they agreed to let him go first. Now, I still got yelled at, and I still spent the rest of that evening fuming about my job, about these two surgeons. What should I have said? What I should have done? How should I have stood up for myself? What words I should have used? How the right comeback would have changed things? And we all know that doesn't happen. No matter your perfect comeback, nothing's going to change in this situation. 
now with the hindsight of self-awareness, as I look back to see what I could have done differently, I can see how my actions were colored by the fact that the first surgeon had yelled at me. And instead of addressing that issue head on, I had chosen to stew and simmer, simmer about it and let the situation escalate to the point where I had just figuratively thrown up my hands and said to myself, let them fight it out. It's not my problem. Let them deal with each other. I'm here to do the cases. I will do whoever comes first. It doesn't matter to me. Let them fight it out. So what if I had actively tried to be part of the solution? How could I have changed the outcome here in this case? It might not have changed the fact that the two surgeons were upset or yelling at each other or even that they yelled at me. But maybe if the way I had reacted could have been a little different, if my communication skills had been a bit better, I could have changed a little bit of the outcome. The outcome in this case being both surgeons did get their cases done, but both were angry. I was angry. I was upset. And we all walked away from that feeling again, bruised and angry. So how could I have changed the way I communicated? So I could have used my active listening skills. I could have talked to them directly and clearly and with radical candor. And I could have flexed my communication based on their specific personality profile. So they would hear me better and understand me. And I don't mean just hearing as in hearing from your ears, but actually hearing deeply and understanding. So what does that all mean? That's part of the effective communication skills that I have learned in the past couple of years. Of course, like I said, the first thing comes with self-awareness, but after that, the second part comes with learning effective communication skills, which I have been grateful to have learned in the past few years. So something similar to that first episode happened again at work. In fact, any anesthesiologist, again, who's listening to this will know that this type of conflict is a daily, if not weekly occurrence in the OR. This time, when I had this incidence of the two surgeons wanting to operate at the same time, I called each of them up personally. I listened to them. I listened actively to their concerns. And active listening doesn't mean just listening and parroting, but active listening means listening deeply to their concerns and their giving of the information in a way that is a little different from what we normally do. And that's part of what I will be talking about in an upcoming webinar. Or if you're listening to this episode after that webinar has aired, you can always reach out to me. I can give you more information. So active listening, that's the first skill. That's the first skill that we learn as effective leaders. So I listened actively to both the surgeons. Surgeon A had been waiting all day to go and needed to finish this short case. Surgeon B was finishing up a case at another facility and yelled at me that she could never get her cases in this hospital done on time. She was always being delayed and she was not willing to compromise. She wanted to come right now as soon as she was done there and she wanted to do this case right now. So this time, instead of reacting, getting defensive and angry at her for yelling at me, I let go of the past unpleasant interactions I'd had with the surgeon, which also play a part in my reaction to her now. And I took a deep breath and I calmly and clearly told her what the situation was right now, that I understood her point. 
I told her what we had going on and how we planned to work it out so she could finish the case that she was currently doing elsewhere. And by the time she finished and she got here, her patient would be waiting and ready to go. And we would bring the patient in as soon as we had gotten the OR ready. Just the fact that she was heard, that her concerns were understood, and that she felt that she was being listened to calmed her down. And she was then willing to let the surgeon A go first. So I knew both these surgeons' disc profiles, and I flexed my communication with each of them based on that, and I could then get them to listen to me better. So for those of you who don't know what the DISC profiling is, it is a personality and behavior assessment tool, which can be used to deepen our understanding of ourselves and of others. And it has four different personality types and how we react and how we act, how we communicate. And you can use this to not only find out how you personally react and behave, but how others in your vicinity, in your sphere react. And then you can flex your communication style based on that. So once you know how a person tends to react, you can modify your communication to that person based on your disk profiling. And this leads to better and more effective communication and to better conflict resolution. So the skills I've used of active listening, of direct candid communication, and of flexing my communication based on their disk style led to a better outcome here than what I had previously accomplished. So I hope you get a little understanding of how effective communication skills can help you be a part of the solution and not of the problem. So to recap, to be a part of the solution, you need to be self-aware that step one is self-awareness. Self-awareness to know how you react to a given situation so you can become a neutral observer of your thoughts and actions. Because if you're not self-aware, then you will take every interaction and how you react to it as the way it is, it has always been. And you will not know to dig deeper and to find out why. And you will not know how your every interaction is colored by your past experiences and how you let that become make you become part of the problem. So step one, self-awareness. Step two is using the three communication tools I told you about. That is active listening, direct, clear, candid communication, and flexing based on your behavioral style. One quick note on direct and clear communication. I have many times in the past chosen not to communicate clearly because it's so much easier to not be direct because we fear the response that we get if we are direct. If I tell the surgeon, I'm sorry, but you cannot do this case now, I know that I will get yelled at. And so if I choose sometimes, and that this I did in the past of not directly confronting the surgeon, but asking someone else, asking the administrator, asking the nurse, nursing manager, whoever, to communicate, I was stepping back and I was not correct communicating directly and clearly. And so direct, clear, candid communication is a part of that three-step process of active listening, direct, clear, candid communication, and flexing your communication style based on your behavioral style. So those are the three steps that you need to master to become an effective communicator. Those are the three essential tools and skills. Now, if you'd like to learn more about these, I'm presenting a webinar on these three tools on November 30th, 2021 at 8 p.m. EST, where I will be teaching in depth about these crucial skills for effective communication. 
I will post the link to register in the show notes, or you can DM me or email me at asha, A-S-H-A, at theleadershiprx.com. That's asha, A-S-H-A, at T-H-E-L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P-R-X.com. That's my email. Or you can DM me on Facebook or on my private Facebook group or uh, anywhere on, in, on social media and LinkedIn that you can find me. So you can get the link to register. Now, if you're listening to this podcast after the webinar is aired, you can always reach out to me to know when the next time I will be presenting these crucial skills will be. And also, if you find this useful and would like to learn more about communication skills, effective direct communication, or more topics of the, like this about becoming a better physician and a better leader, please do like, subscribe, and review this podcast and share it with every other female physician you know who could find this useful. Thank you.